I'm going to deal with the subject called the reality of spiritual warfare. And usually I don't deal with this subject often. I really don't. But I've decided to deal with it today because we are living in a spiritual battle. And I want to equip you in how to fight the battle. Now, I have decided to use a lot of scripture today. Not that I can bore you. But scripture is our roadmap and scripture is powerful. And so if I'm reading scripture, it will be behind me. You don't need to turn to your Bible to the scriptures because I will go fast with them. But I'm going to allude to these scriptures that will be behind me. And I want you to listen to what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to say to us today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. As we discuss this morning and tonight on the reality of spiritual warfare. Amen. Now, if for some reason that you can't come tonight, because I understand some of us have jobs and we cannot come, uh, I encourage you to come to listen to part two. But if not, I'm not sure. Are they going to live stream it tonight? They will live stream it tonight. Can you say amen to that? So that will be live stream tonight. So you can, uh, we usually don't do Sunday night, but we'll do tonight so you can listen to part two. Uh, Ephesians chapter six, beginning with verse number 10. Uh, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day having all to... all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. May the Lord add the blessing to the reading and the preaching of the Word of God. And the church said, Amen. The reality of spiritual warfare. Have you ever met hyper-spiritual Christians before? You know, the kind that think that the devil is behind every bush and the devil is behind every problem? Have you ever met hyper-spiritual Christians who seem to be so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good? You know, the kind of Christians that seem to ignore anything that is practical or anything that is reasonable. Well, I have met many people like that before, and I'm sure that most of you have met some hyper-spiritual Christian before. At times, if we're not careful, we can get really burnt out with those hyper-spiritual Christians who seem to think that everything is spiritual and that there's a devil and an angel behind every bush. And we can become so burnt out with that that we ignore the fact that the spiritual world really does exist. And I want to say to you, it really does exist. And it is important for us as a church And as your pastor to tell you this, that just because a topic and a subject has been abused or overemphasized or taken to the extreme 
doesn't mean there is not truth to the subject. As Christians, as Christians, as men and women of God, we've got to go to the Bible as our source and as our road map. If you believe that, would you shout a great big amen? What does the Bible have to say about spiritual warfare? What does the Bible have to say about the unseen world? What does the Bible really have to say on this matter? Should we preach about it? Does it really matter if we study the unseen world? Does my actions on earth really affect the supernatural world? What does the Bible say about these matters? And today, for a few moments, I'm going to explore the reality of spiritual warfare. I'm going to start this morning, and I will try to finish tonight. And so this morning, I'm going to look at five principles. All day today, I have nine principles. We're going to look at four, excuse me, five this morning and four tonight. I'm going to give you five scriptural biblical principles of the reality of spiritual warfare. If you're taking notes, I want you to write it down. If not, I want you to zoom in here and pay attention because I believe that this has the potential to change your life. Nine scriptural biblical principles of spiritual warfare, and I'm going to deal with five of them this morning. The first principle of spiritual warfare that all of us have to understand is this. It's very basic, but it's very important. Number one, there is a spiritual invisible world. If we do not understand this principle, then you will not understand anything I have to say all day today. It is important that we understand this principle. This principle is simple, it's simplistic, but it is so true and it's power-packed. There is a spiritual and there is an invisible world. The Bible is clear that this world does exist. The Bible gives testimony that this world does exist. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ created the unseen world just like he created the physical world. These scriptures this morning give us the indication that the spiritual and invisible world really does exist. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 3, listen to the writer of the book of Hebrews, and I quote, By faith we understand that the worlds, everybody shout worlds, were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. The writer of Hebrews tells us that there are worlds, plural. There are worlds, not just this world, but there are other worlds. It indicates to us that the, there is a spiritual world. The spiritual world is just as important as the physical world, the visible world. The worlds, the Word of God created not only the spiritual world, but also the physical world. The Bible says in Colossians 1, verses 15 and 16, the Apostle Paul tells us this, and I quote, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Verse number 16, For by Him all things were created that are in the heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible whether thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created for him and through him. Do you see the phrase that he created everything that is visible and invisible? 
that tells me that there is a spiritual world and that spiritual world does exist and it was created by Jesus himself. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 20, who the Apostle Paul, the writer here, says this and I quote, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, the invisible world does exist. It has invisible attributes. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, the Apostle Paul also uttered these words to the church to let them know that the unseen world really does exist. And I quote, And while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What is he saying? He is saying that the unseen world is eternal. What you see is temporary, it will pass away. But the next world, the unseen world, the spiritual world, the invisible world is eternal. It does exist. For us to understand the reality of spiritual warfare, we've got to understand that the spiritual and the invisible world really does exist. I want you to notice this morning, just for a moment, an Old Testament story where the spiritual world invaded the natural world and the man's eyes were open and he saw another world. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 15 through 17. Now for the sake of time, let me share with you what is happening in this story. Elijah, Elisha's son uh, was afraid of an army. The army was getting ready to besiege the city, and the servant was filled with fear. In fact, he told Elisha that he was afraid. But Elisha was a man of God. He was a prophet. And he said to his servant, don't be afraid. There's more on our side than against us. But the servant did not see it. He didn't see it. He looked outside and saw an army, the enemy, coming to destroy them. But the prophet said, don't be discouraged. There's more for us than against us. Look at this. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 through 17. Listen to the words of this story. And I quote, And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Verse number 16. So he answered, the prophet said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us is more than those who are with them. Don't be afraid. There's more on our side than there are those outside against us. And Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open up his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What are you saying, Pastor? It's simple. The man was afraid. And the prophet said, don't be afraid. There's more on our side than against us. The prophet prayed, said, Lord, open my servant's eyes. And the Lord opened up his eyes. And he, when he looked outside, he saw a spiritual army surrounding the city, which told him there's more on my side than there is against us. I want to prophesy to this church today. You may feel discouraged. 
You may feel like giving up. You may feel like nobody understands, and you may feel like somebody has given you a quarter and told you to call somebody that cares. But I want to prophesy to you today, there is more for us than against us. Hallelujah. I know there's some empty chairs in this building and the balcony's empty, but I want to let you know the balcony's full of the angels of God. There's more. Somebody better. There's more for us than against us. You can't see what the Lord is doing in the supernatural realm. And as you pray and as you wait, I'm telling you, God is doing something in the supernatural and in the invisible realm that you cannot see. Do I have at least 50 people in the building that can stand to their feet and say, I agree with you, Pastor, that there is more for us. Woo. There's more for us than there are against us. Hallelujah. Ain't no reason to be discouraged. There's more for us than there are of those against us. There is a spiritual and invisible world. Number two, we are in a spiritual battle. Not only is there a spiritual world, but we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle. Now, let me remind you, that everything I'm about to say is spiritual because I don't believe there's a separation between secular and spiritual. As a Christian, all your activities are spiritual. And we fight our battle in three arenas. We are in a spiritual battle. Number one, there is an invisible spiritual world. But number two, there is a spiritual battle. We are engaged in a spiritual battle. Now, the spiritual battle is fought in three arenas. I'm going to say them very quickly, and I'm going to go through them very quickly. We are in a spiritual battle. Number one, it is the worldly battle. Number two, the battle within us. And number three, the unseen battle. We are in a spiritual battle. That spiritual battle is fought in three arenas. The worldly battle, the battle within us, and the unseen battle. Quickly, I'm going to share with you, because this is a sub-point under this point. I want to share with you what I mean by that. Number one, the worldly battle. What does it mean, the world? What does it mean when you read the scriptures in the Bible that says, the world, the world, the world? I'm glad that you asked that. In the Old Testament, the word world means the inhabitant world, the physical world, the universe the people that's in the world. In the New Testament, it means the same, but it also carries another idea. The word world also means a humanistic system that is at odds with God. It means a humanistic system that is at odds with God. It means it's a value system that is corrupt and against God. In other words, it is an evil system that is controlled by the devil. It is a value system that is against God. So in the world right now, they have a value system, and we have a value system. Our value system is to love. Our value system is to give. Our value system is to serve. Our value system is to be faithful. Our value system is to do spiritual disciplines, to be the light of the world. But that is not the value system of the world. The value system of the world is to be selfish. 
The value of the system of the world is to be isolated and to, be, uh, uh, to, to take care of our own problems, to rely upon our own education and self-will to take care of the problems. You, you understand there's a value system, and that's what I mean by the world. There is a value system in the world that is against God. It's humanistic. And I want you to notice the difference here. Look at John 3.16. John 3.16, the Bible says this, For God so loved the world. God so loved the what? The world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now I want you to look at this Scripture. 1 John chapter number 2 and verse number 15. 1 John chapter 2 verse 15, the writer said it like this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now what is right? Are we to hate the world? Are we to love the world like God loves the world? There is a difference in the Bible what the word world means. The word world means people, it means the planet, it means the universe, but it also can mean a corrupt value system that is at odds with God or an evil system, value system, a pattern of thinking that is against God. And this is what the writer is saying here. We are to love people. We are to pray for people. We are to be the salt and light to people. That's not what the Scripture is saying in 1 John. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Do not love the world. What does that mean? It's not talking about people. It's talking about the value system of the world. You don't love the value system of the world. You don't love the pattern of thinking of the world. You are different. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 15, for, or verse number 5, Listen to what the writer says here in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 5. The writer here clearly tells us they are of the world. Therefore, they speak of the world and the world hears them. What is he saying here? They think like the world. Their value system is like the world. So therefore, they act like the world and they follow the value system of the world. Jesus tells his own disciples in John chapter 15, verse 19, he says to his disciples, he says, I want you to know, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. What is Jesus saying? I've chose you to be different. I chose you to have a different value system. I chose you to think differently. I've chose you to walk differently. You are not to conduct your business like the world. You are different. And because you do that, the world will hate you because their value system is different than your value system. That's what it means, the world. So when we fight, we fight against the value system. We fight against the culture. Not all culture is bad. But when it speaks of a culture that's against God, a mindset that's against God, a system that's against God, then we are fighting against that. That's why I've got to preach every Sunday, because I am fighting against the culture. I am fighting against the world. I am telling you what the Word of God says, that that's your source. Your feelings are not your source. It's not your source of authority. Your, 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 whatever you do in life, that's not your source. The Bible is your source of authority if you claim to be a Christian. And as I preach every week, I am breaking up the fallow ground of your heart because you've been indoctrinated by the world six days a week. You are in a battle with the evil system of the world, the evil, corrupt, humanistic value system 
of the world. And that's why it's important, like I said, to read the Bible every day. Get the Bible inside of you. Make the Bible a priority in your life so you can have a different set of value system. Can I hear an amen? Number two, the battle within us. Not only, is, not only are we fighting a worldly battle, but we are also fighting a battle within us. What does that mean? That means the flesh. And the flesh means any desire or any affections that run contrary to God. You know that desires of the flesh, the desires to overeat, the desires to, to participate in perversion and immorality, the desires to do things to be greedy and to be selfish, the desire to gossip, the desire to, you know what they are, those desires are inside of you. Nobody had to teach you to do that. You are born with a corrupt desire. You are born with a corrupt nature on the inside of you, and those desires run contrary to God, and there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. The spirit wants to please God, while the flesh does not want to please God those desires do not want to please God. The flesh doesn't want to please God. But there's another part of you that does want to please God. And you may say, Pastor, I'm struggling this morning. Well, I want to let you know that struggle is the sign that you haven't been defeated. So if you're struggling this morning, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. If you've committed sin this week and you say, I've I'm over my head. I'm swimming in struggles and sin, and I don't know what to do. I want to tell you this morning that you're at the right place at the right time. The church is where you need to be. You don't need to give up while you're struggling. You need to be faithful even while you're struggling because the church is where you need to be. Can I hear an amen? God has not given up on you. This church is not going to give up on you. And I don't care what you struggle with. I want you to be here. Somebody say amen. So we all, including me, we all face a struggle. We're all struggling. Every person struggles, but struggle is not the sign that you've been defeated. Jesus said this in Matthew 26, verse 41. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, watch and pray, lest you not entered into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's a battle on the inside of me. Romans chapter 7, verse number 14. The apostle Paul said there's a battle on the inside of him. And I quote, for we know that the law is spiritual. But he says, I'm carnal. I'm fleshly. I'm struggling. I'm sold under sin. Verse number 15, he says, For what I am doing, I don't understand. For what I will to do, I don't practice. But what I hate, I do. Do you know what Paul said? He said, The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I hate, I end up doing. You know what Paul is saying? There's a battle on the inside of me. I'm struggling on the inside. I'm struggling. There's a battle. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 16. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, the apostle Paul went on to say this. He says, I say to you, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He goes on to say this in verse number 17. He says, for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, for these things are contrary to one another so that you do not do these things that you wish. He says, there's a battle on the inside of you. So number one, church, we got to realize there is a spiritual and invisible world. It really does exist. Number two, there is a spiritual battle. 
And that battle is fought in three arenas. Number one, the worldly battle. That's the value system of the world. The battle within us, that's the desires that are contrary to God. And number three, the last arena that we're going to focus on for the rest of this sermon is the unseen world. We fight the unseen world. That's the last arena that we fight in. We fight in the unseen world. Now, what does the unseen world mean? It refers to the spiritual forces that are at work behind the natural and visible world. It's the demons. It's the angels. It's God. It's Satan. It's the forces of light against the forces of darkness. It's the forces of darkness against the forces of light. It is the unseen world. We fight in that world You fight against the value system of the world. You fight a worldly battle. Number two, you fight the battle within us. You fight the battle within you. And number three, you fight the unseen world. I want to let you know, if we are fighting three battles, then why are we giving God half-hearted praise? If we're fighting three battles, why are we half-hearted in our spiritual disciplines? If we are fighting three battles, then why are we so sluggish in doing what God has told us to do? Let me say this, and let me say it loud and clear. This is not a season that we should give up on our spiritual disciplines. This is not a season that we should be half-hearted. This is a season, a time in history that we should give our very, very best because the devil's not given up. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to give up. Even in my struggle, I'm not going to give up. If somebody has to pull me over the finish line, I've already made a decision years ago. I'm not giving up. I'm staying in this thing to win. I'm going to win it. I don't know about you, but is there any winners in the building that you've already made up your mind? You are not giving up. You don't care what he throws at you. You ain't giving up. Woo! You ain't giving up. You gotta, you gotta make that decision on the inside of you can't give up. There's a battle that we're engaged in. We're engaged in the worldly battle. We're engaged with the battle within us. We're engaged in the battle of the unseen world. The unseen world. Notice in the book of Ephesians, I want to focus on the last arena. The rest of my point is going to go towards the last arena, the unseen world. I want you to notice in the book of Ephesians where the writer here in the book of Ephesians indicates to us that there is an unseen world. Now, listen, I'm going to read these scriptures to you, and it's not going to be on the screen. You're just going to have the point. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, listen to this scripture. Blessed be the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So your spiritual blessing is in heavenly places. Everybody shout with me. My spiritual blessing is in heavenly places. Then the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 6, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, speaking of Christians, the Apostle Paul said this, and I quote, and he raised us up together and made us to sit with him in heavenly places. Jesus is in the heavenly place. Everybody shout, Jesus is in the heavenly place. Come on, everybody shout, Jesus is in the heavenly place. Number three, Ephesians chapter three and verse number 10. Ephesians chapter three and verse number 10. And I quote, to the intent 
that now the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church to the principalities, powers in heavenly places. The devil and the, or excuse me, the angels are in heavenly places. The angels are in heavenly places. And lastly, I want you to see this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 12. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. The last thing is demonic activity is in heavenly places. So let me review to you this morning. I'm talking about the unseen world. And in the book of Ephesians, it tells us this. Number one, your blessing is in heavenly places. Number two, Jesus is in heavenly places. Number three, angels are in heavenly places. And number four, demonic activity is in heavenly places. So I am telling you today, church, that the unseen spiritual world really does exist. It is in the unseen world. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 12. He says, for we do not wrestle. Look at verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 12. I want you to see what it says. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this world. I want to let you know today that your spouse is not the problem. The board is not the problem. Your job is not the problem. Your kids is not the problem. The church is not the problem. The pastor is not the problem. The drugs is not the problem. The sex is not the problem. The greed is not the problem. Selfishness is not the problem. The conflict at your home is not the problem. That is the fruit. The root of the problem is spiritual. And if you're ever going to get victory in the physical world, you got to realize you can't fight in the physical world. you got to learn how to fight in the spiritual world or you will never get the victory. And that's what happens. We keep fighting the physical world and we still go around the same mountain year after year because we haven't decided, we don't see that the spiritual world is where the root is. You're fighting against people, and you have attitudes against people, but it's the spiritual world that we're fighting against. Principalities work through personalities. This is a spiritual battle. Number three, what we do on earth can affect the spiritual world. Number three, what we do on earth can affect the spiritual world. And what happens in the spiritual world can affect the earth. I'm going to say that one more time. What we do on earth can affect the spiritual world, and what happens in the spiritual world can affect the earth. I want to say it one more time. Get this in your spirit. What we do on earth can affect what happens in the spiritual world. And what happens in the spiritual world can affect the earth. I'm reminded of a story in the book of Daniel. You remember the book of Daniel? The Bible says there was a story in the book of Daniel where Daniel had an experience. He did something on earth, and as a result of him doing something on earth, 
The Bible says the heavens were notified and the heavens responded. I want you to see this very closely this morning, and I want you to see this principle that is so prevalent in this story. Daniel chapter number 10 and beginning with verse number 7, I want you to look at it very closely. Daniel chapter 10, verse number 7, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon me, so that they fled to hid themselves, hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I, ret- I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. And suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking, This word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for you, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince and the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I have been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days to come. You see, Daniel was praying for 21 days, and he saw no answer. But as he was praying this one day, an angel showed up. He had an angelic visitation. And the angel said to him, Daniel, don't be afraid. I was sent to you because your prayers were heard. Hallelujah. I am saying this, what you do on earth can affect what happens in heaven. Daniel prayed and he saw no answer, but he kept on praying because he understood. He understood that what I do on earth can affect what happens in heaven. He kept on praying even though he saw nothing because he understood that my words is like a seed. When it leaves my mouth, it don't leave my life. It's going into the spiritual world. Somebody say amen. He kept praying because what you do on earth can affect what happens in heaven. And what happens in heaven can affect what happens on earth. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I'm telling you today, this church is getting ready to experience one of the greatest moves of God that we have ever experienced in the course of history because we have been praying. We haven't been giving up. We have been sowing. We have been believing. We have been walking the floors. We have been fasting. We've been quoting the scripture. And I want you to know that it may be held up in the heavens, but we're not going to stop what we do on earth because what we do on earth can affect what we do in the heavens. Hallelujah. Don't give up. What you do on earth can affect what happens in heaven. Job chapter number 1, 
verse 1, verse 12. You know the story. The book opens with the angels and Satan having a conversation with God in heaven. The Bible says the sons of God appeared before the presence of the Lord. And Satan himself came to God in heaven. It was almost like a courtroom. Satan appeared before God, and Satan started to bring accusations against Job. Job was on earth. Job was a righteous man. Job was a holy man. Job loved God. And Satan said, the only reason that he loves you, God, is because you've given him nice houses and cars and money. But let me take it, and I'll prove to you, God, Job don't love you. And God said, okay, go ahead and take everything he has, and we'll see how Job responds. What happens in the heavens affects what happens on earth. I'm going to say that again. What happens in the heavens affects what happens on earth. Job chapter 1, verse 12. This is verse 12 is in the heavens. And the Lord said to Satan, where? In the heavens. Behold, all that he has is in your power. Just don't lay a hand on him. Don't kill him. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. That's in heaven. Verse 13, it transitions to the earth. Now on earth, there was a day when the sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. Verse 14. The Bible says a messenger came to Job and said, an ox was plowing and the donkeys were feeding besides them. Verse 15. And they were riding and took away, and indeed they killed the servants and the edge of the sword, and I was the only one that escaped to tell you. Verse number 16. The Bible says, and, and while he was still speaking, another also came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them all. And I was the only one that escaped to tell you. Verse 12 is in the heavens. Verse 13 through 16 is on the earth. What happens in the heavens affect what happens on the earth, and what happens on the earth affects what happens in the heavens. Is that 35 minutes? Huh? Amen. So tonight, I'm going to finish my sermon. I'm going to be a good pastor and stop right here. I don't want to give all the sheep, I don't want to give all the hay to the sheep this morning, all right? I want you to come tonight. You're good sheep. Aren't you glad for that? Everybody give me a high five. Amen. Amen. God is good. What happens on earth affects what happens in the heavens.